Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. It's like in one of those, what they call an Ebenezer moment. If you're familiar with Ebenezer's memorial was after a great victory that God had given the children of Israel and they set up a memorial. They called it Ebenezer. It was to remind them of the faithfulness of God. And so when they got weary and they got worried, they would go back to the Ebenezer stone. And it would remind them that God had got them through when they should have been lost. When it should have been over and they should have been defeated, God supernaturally brought them out. Well, this is one of those Ebenezer moments. This weekend is reminding us how far God has brought us. And no matter what we face ahead of us, we know this the god that has been with us for seven years will be with us seven more years hallelujah i'm going to try to give us a little bit of a glimpse just a little bit because as as pastor kim said we don't know what god has for us because we're trying to be spirit-led and supernatural activated and and so you just gotta you know getting out of your comfort zone you just gotta put that in the hands of God and say here we go holding nothing back no limitations on what God wants to do yes I want you to go to your Bibles this morning and I'm gonna read out of 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 uh, team you can go down just give me a few keys until I get done with the text 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 verse 12 and 18 i'm reading from the passing translation this scripture has been in my spirit for several weeks now i've just been reading through it and reading through it and reading through it i knew god had something for us here and i want to look at it for us this morning paul begins by saying this of course we wouldn't dare put ourselves in the same class and compare ourselves with those who rate themselves so highly They compare themselves to one another and make up their own standards to measure themselves by and then judge themselves by their own standard. What self-delusion. But we are those who choose to limit our boasting to the measure of the work which God has appointed us, a measure that, by the way, has reached far as you. Now, Paul's talking to the church of Corinth, but I'm talking to Fresh Start today. So let me read that verse 13 again, but we are those who choose to limit our boasting only to the measure of the work which he has appointed us, a me- to appointed us, Fresh Start Church, a measure that, by the way, has reached as far as you. And since you are within our assigned limits, we didn't overstep our boundaries of authority by being the first to announce to you the wonderful news of the anointed one. Verse 15 is very important. 
We're not trying to take credit for the ministry done by others, going beyond the limits God has set for us. Instead, our hope soars, and your faith continues to grow, causing great expansion of our ministry among you. Then we can go and preach the good news in the regions beyond you without trespassing on ministry spheres of other laborers and what they have already done. For the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. Let us be clear. So let us be clear. To have the Lord's approval and accommodation is of greater value than bragging about oneself. God's got a word for us today. Are you ready? Lord, bless your word. I pray for illumination and revelation, articulation. I pray, oh Lord, that, that you would help this word come alive in this place today. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And the church shouted, amen, amen. amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Someone once said, the longer you do something, the easier it becomes to forget why you started doing it in the first place. That must be repeated. The longer you do something, the easier it becomes to forget why you started doing it in the first place. When I read that, I immediately began to think about the church of Ephesus. And when the Holy Spirit began, uh, began to deal with them in Revelation chapter 2, and Ephesus, we understand, was a great church. And matter of fact, let me, let me just go there because I didn't put this in my notes, but I want to read this. I want to read out of a Revelation chapter 2. Let me get there. It's the last book in your Bible. Unless you've got a passion translation, it's not the last book in your Bible. Psalms and Proverbs are the last books in your Bible. But anyway, so watch this. I need to read this. I do. Revelation chapter 2. Take my glasses off. I got to take your glasses off to see. There's something wrong with that. <laughs> Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. Watch. Jesus is speaking, but I have this against you. You're going to see God is speaking to us today. I have this against you. That you have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning. Think about how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works of love you did at first. I will come to you. I will come to you and remove you from the lampstand, from its place of influence, if you do not repent. So when I when I read that quote, I immediately my mind immediately went to Revelation there and really be talking about the church of Ephesus because you have to understand the church church's Ephesus wasn't just any church. The church of Ephesus was really the pride of the Asian church. Uh, Paul planted it. Paul himself spent three years there preaching and teaching and discipling. It had grown into a mega church. Ephesus was a huge city, and the church of Ephesus was a huge church. Today, it would be a mega, mega church. It had dozens of house churches that, that had been planted all over this massive city. They would meet in the temple. They would meet from house to house. It, it was a thriving 
church. It was a church full of passionate revivalists in love with God. And then we find here in Revelation 2 that Jesus commends them. He begins by talking about their works and how wonderful they have worked and how hard they have worked. He commends their blood and their sweat and their tears. He commends their patient endurance. This church is an orthodox church. It is a church that has exposed false teaching and has exposed false apostles and now they are standing in truth all alone when everybody else is going after everything else. The church of Ephesus said we will stay and we will stand in the word of God and we will stand in truth. So Jesus commends them for this and then Jesus says these these really frightening words, I have this against you. You're not going to find that verse on your refrigerator. I have this against you. None of us would like to think that God would be against us. Our Bible says, who can be against us if God be for us? But here Jesus says, I have this against you. We need to hear this word of the Lord today. You see, the problem for them was not their orthodoxy. The problem was their orthopraxy. We say, what's the difference? Orthodoxy has to do with what you believe. Orthopraxy has to do with how you behave. They were committed to the word of God. They were committed to truth. They were committed to fighting the battle that needed to be fought to keep truth alive and keep false apostles out of the church. But somewhere along the way, they lost their love and they lost their passion. So Jesus said, I have this against you. And, and, and if you study this out, you will find that the, the, the arrangement of the text, the way that it is presented, indicates that, the, that this wasn't the first time they had this charge brought against them, but the charge was still outstanding, which means they had not yet repented and returned. Maybe, maybe the years of struggling for truth. The years of struggling for perfect orthodoxy left them weary from the combat. And now they are struggling with combat fatigue. This is is a lesson for us to learn for Estar Church as we go into year eight. And that lesson is this, is we cannot allow external battles to put out the inward fire. It's not that we should quit fighting for what's right. It's not that we should not keep believing for revival and fighting for revival and contending for revival and contending for awakening. It's not that you should give up on any of that, but the problem is, is when the external gets on the internal and it begins to put out the fire, the passion, the love uh, for his presence and his presence alone, it doesn't end well. Yes? So their external battle for truth and for righteousness But they weren't just battling for truth, they were battling to keep their passion alive. The word says, you have abandoned me. Which literally means they walked away from their passion. God's speaking to us today. 
They walked away from this fiery, passionate love for Jesus. He no longer had preeminence in their lives. They'd get caught up in all the external things. All the battles that we must wage, and there were many. You see, they distanced themselves. God, God didn't move. They moved. They distanced themselves. From his fire we love. It's a principle here, and I, I will hit this and move on, but the principle is that regardless of how much you know, how much you serve him, how many past encounters you have had, you can't walk close to Jesus unless you are a burning one. So Jesus commends them for fighting their battles, but he confronts them for their, fall, for their falling away from their love. And the solution is simple. He says, simply return. Return to your passion. He says, remember. Stay with me, Fresh Start Church. Remember what motivated you to at one time burn with a revival passion like no other church has ever burned with. Remember, and then return to that place. Return to that moment. Go back to that place. Does anybody in this room that have walked with us for the last seven years or more, do you remember? Do you remember what it was like before revival came? And do you remember what brought it down in this house? Because I hear the Spirit of God saying it's time to return. Oh, I, I remember well. See, I remember before revival, before revival came, we were done. I said we were done. We were done with status quo, church as usual. We were done with praying and prophesying and preaching under dead atmospheres. I can't get no help in here. We were done with presentless, powerless, passionless services. We were done with less, and we, because we had found out there was more. Somebody needs to remember, we were done with church strategies and structures. We were done, we were done with being spectators. We were done uh, and not being participators. We were done with being an audience and not an army. We were done with being a cruise ship and not a battleship. We were done with empty altars, dry eyes and distant hearts. We were done with man-made ideas. We were done with systems and structures and programs. We were done with sleepy worship and quiet praise and no dance and a tamed Holy Ghost tongue. We were done. 
you got to remember we are where we are today because we chose desperation over satisfaction, commitment, and consecration over captivity to carnality uh, because we chose encounter over entertainment because we chose pursuit and provocation over passivity and aggression over apathy. We are here today because we chose not to settle, never settle, never settle, never settle because there's always more. Somebody shout more. Something needs to shake some of you today. We didn't get, it's not been an easy road. Here we are, though. If you'd asked me seven years ago that we would be standing here still experiencing this move of God, I may not have believed you. But here we are. Stepping from seven to eight. You know, what's interesting is seven is in the Bible, so is eight. Eight in its fullest symbolism, the number eight, is that it is the beginning of a new era. The beginning of a new order. It's because we went from one to seven. Completion, we understand, or the number also means to be satisfied or satisfaction. Something has moved into its fullness, and you're going into eight because you're starting over. Sometimes you've got to leave stuff behind you to go to another thing. Sometimes you're supposed to take everything you learned in the last level and take it with you to the next. This is the inference of eight. Eight, seven, fullness, completion, satisfied or satisfaction, plus one, Now you just went from everything to too much. Let that sink in. See, the number eight also means this. It means to make fat. The thing that we all fight, you get to you receive it in the spirit. It literally means to make fat, to cover with fat, or to superabound. And when it's referring to fat, it's not talking about corpulence. Corpulence means the weight of your body fat. But opulence, opulence means having abundant resources. So when you talk about fat in the Hebrew, or fat in the symbolism in scripture, it carries with it opulence. It carries with you having abundant resources. 
It's not enough. And the other said, you don't just have enough. You have more than enough. I'm trying to give us an idea of eight. I'm trying to give you an idea of what we're doing here this weekend. That we ain't just shooting numbers around. That in the spirit realm, we are moving from a complete, satisfied work of God. And now we are stepping into an opulent place. See, see, where we get the idea that number eight is the beginning of an era or, or an order, it's taken from, from one, one scripture that, that's used for this is, is, is the fact that when the whole earth was covered with a flood, it was Noah who the scripture refers to in 2 Peter 2, 5 as the eighth person that was in the ark that stepped out on a new earth and started a new era started a new order. I'm talking about eight, somebody. I'm talking about stepping out of seven. And seven has been blessed. And seven has been way more than I could ever dreamed or thought of or considered. It's like nothing. It's not like God held anything back at all. It's just he said, you've gone through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's eight. It's time to add one. Because when you add one, you go from spiritually complete and being satisfied to something that is superabounding, superabounding, superabundance or satiating. Satiating is an interesting word. You know what? Just one way to explain it. That's when you're eating and you finally hit that point, your body says, stop, you're full. But you keep eating. Thus you get fat. Seven is full. Stop. Eight is now. I'm gonna take one more bite. Cause it's been too good not to get some more. It's been too good not to believe us some more. It's been too good. And what you do, you step in to a new order. You said, I don't know about all that stuff, Pastor. I don't know about all that stuff. Can you put your faith on something? Can you put your faith on something? I have searched my scripture through and through, and I have not found one verse in our Bible that says don't believe too much. Don't believe too big. Don't believe, don't believe. I did find one, though, that said whatever you do outside of faith is sin. I tell you what, quit doubting and stop believing. Somebody shout yes. I'm going somewhere with this. So here we are. Here we are. Some of you just joined us this morning. We're glad you're here, but we've been here all weekend. Tasting of the opulence. I'm telling you, there's more to come. There's more to come. There's more to come. I have not seen or have not heard nor is into the heart of them. There's more to come. Crossing over. Crossing over. Crossing over from seven to eight. So God has been good to us. He has been gracious to us. We are thankful for everything that he has done. 
and that he has yet to do. We cannot stop because we know there's more glory. And there's a generation and a nation that needs to be brought into sustained revival that will usher in the coming of our Jesus Christ. So during these last seven years, there's some things that has happened. I, I, I will not try to even begin to excavate the depth of what God has done in this house and the many things that he has done. To God be the glory. But two things I want to look at real quickly, and then a third, because the first two are in seven and the third is in eight. And that God has given us a greater understanding of the mantle and of the mandate of revival. The mantle and the mandate. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you today about the revival mantle mandate in Metron. He's given us understanding as we have been following the, the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit over the last seven years. And this, this is important, this is imperative um, that we understand the, the, the mantle and the metron if we're going to continue and we are in sustained revival. We cannot lay the mantle down and we cannot grow weary in the mandate. We cannot. Say this with me, say mantle, mandate, and metron, the mantle. A mantle, biblically, is a metaphor for our spiritual calling, our ministries, our anointings. A mantle covers us with grace that we can fulfill the assignment that God has over us. Please understand that mantles Are first corporate and then personal. This is important. Because the mantle of which I speak is not the mantle I carry. It's the mantle that covers this house. Therefore, you are under this mantle. The moment you chose to make Fresh Start Church the place that you worship, and you made a commitment and a connection and a covenant to this house. You came up under a corporate mantle. And whether you realize that or not, that mantle is called revival. God began to reveal this to us all the way back in 2013. When we, we were away on that leadership retreat in the Lord's, out of our prophetic worship, came this declaration from Pastor Kim, this day, we fight for what we are mantled to be. We had been through some difficult days and some hard times. We were ready to give up, we were giving it one more stab. And then out of that came this, today we will fight for what we are mantled to be. For when we finally realize this is who we are, this is what we are born for, this is what beats on the inside of us, more than anything else, is to have revival in our hearts and in our church and in our city. 
You see, mantles are about the calling of God. What are you called not just to do, but what are you called to be? We learned real quick, revival isn't something you have or do. It is something that you become. Somebody shout mantle. Mantles are corporate, but mantles are personal. I asked the Lord to begin to speak to me and give me greater revelation of the mantle because it has been taught powerfully here. It's been taught many times here. We understand the mantle. But maybe we don't quite understand the spiritual side of it or understand everything about it. And one of the things I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me was this, is that before mantles are on you, they have to be in you. You see, before mantles, before, before, before the mantle, it, it's in you before it gets on you. In other words, it's something that toils and moves and shakes on the inside of you and nobody else sees it yet, but you carry it on the inside of you. You don't even understand how to name it. All you know is you can't settle for anything else. Everything else frustrates you and aggravates you and leaves you disappointed, walking away, shaking your head and saying, is this all there? is. Ah, but when you understand and you begin to receive the mantle that is on the inside of you and fight for what you feel on the inside of you, it moves from the internal to the external and then all of a sudden the world looks at you and they say you are mantled. I've also learned, you know, you don't pick your mantle. It's not like going going into Walmart and saying, I need an extra large, I like the green one. Not just anybody can put on a revival mantle. It's got to be inside before you... Something else is that you must understand today that whatever mantle you sit under, you will take on its characteristics. This, this is important. You can't sit in this house. And have a cold love for Jesus. And try to stay in a praise that is stale. Talk in a tongue that is learned. No, you can't. Oh, you could try. But it will rub you the wrong way, up, down, sideways, in and out. You're going to get more frustrated by here, by being here than blessed. So I just want to let you know, if you're going to, if you're going to hang around, just go ahead and get in and get up under the mantle. Because if you stay up under the mantle long enough, you're going to be a revivalist and you're going to be a burning one. And you are going to be one full of the power of the glory of our King. Yes? yes. It's, just, it's just the way it is. All of us in this room, we are byproducts of the mantle that we have set under. If you set under a dead, dry mantle, you will never function into the fullness of God has for you. 
But if you sit under revival mantle long enough, you will learn to live in the fullness. Of function and faithfulness and fruitfulness. So, so what, what, what is our mantle, Pastor? What's your first our mantle? Revival, that's kind of nebulous. What? Okay, so I will quote from the doorkeepers of revival book. Written by pastor, prophet, uh, author, uh, wife of Pastor Paul Owens. Yes, that truly is her greatest accomplishment. But anyway. Y'all behave. So I quote, doorkeepers of revival. We, Fresh Start Church, parenthesis, quote, we were mantled to be an entry point for revival, a place that hosts a sustained move of God or a sustained move of the Holy Spirit until Jesus comes back. This is our mantle. Though this mission was set in motion in 2013, it has been growing, much like Hannah would bring Samuel a large mantle every year because he grew. Our Bible says that every year she would sew him a mantle, a little bigger than the one that the year before. And she would bring the mantle because he was growing in his calling. He was growing in his understanding. He was growing in what it meant to be a prophet of God. And so every year as he grew, his mama brought him the, 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 another mantle. And so it has been for us for seven years. The mantle has been growing. The mantle has been greater. The mantle is getting heavier and heavier and weightier and weightier. But good news, so are you. You're growing and you're growing and you're growing and you're growing. None of us are where we were seven years ago. We have been growing with the man. Now listen to this because this is very important. I will hit it here and then I will pick it up again. That in order for us to continue to grow in the mantle, we must learn how to be corporately connected and properly positioned. Corporately connected, properly positioned. It's difficult to walk in a mantle if you are not corporately connected. See, we all have a mantle, but our mantles can only accomplish so much individually. But when we are corporately connected, the mental can grow. Yes? So it's been set in motion. It's been an ever-increasing mantle. Last night, Pastor Kim just went over the, the mantle dream. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Gina Golston and the revival mantle dream. And how she saw us there with Evan Robertson in, in, in Mariah Temple and the dream that she had and the mantle that he, he was waiting for somebody to come. And how we got in the mixture of that is by the very grace of God. 
when he talks about us wearing this mantle, he's not just Pastor Kim and I. Oh, we represent Fresh Star Church, so we were in the dream, but really we were all in the dream. One of the last things he said with profound joy, she said, was now it's your time to carry the mantle. What mantle? The mantle of revival. Prophet told me, was here back in June, June 5th. And I want to read just a portion of this prophetic word that he released over the house, speaking about Fresh Start Church. He mentioned that we had three coats. And then he got to the third coat and he said this. Your third coat is the one you are wearing now. It is the coat of revival. And the coat of an identity that you have recently come into the fullness of. But in the final coat, there is a tearing of a large thick mantle. This will release multiplication anointing. In this multiplication, I will turn your harvest into your workers. And they will be possessed with the spirit of revival. There will be a new gathering anointing that will, that will, uh, that you will kickstart. A gathering anointing that you will kickstart. And it will be your final fresh start. It will open up a 10-year season of outpouring upon Arizona. It will be worship, the prophetic, and the miraculous. And it will be led by a sound that will cause Arizona to gather the world to it. I'm talking about a mantle. I'm talking about how it is increasing. I'm talking about how it is growing. I'm talking about God, how God has blessed it. And I, and I want you to understand this because when we began this journey and we began with this mantle that we were fighting for and we received this mantle of revival, I, 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 well, I'll talk about myself anyway. I was just thankful that he had come to our church and been hopeful that he would come to our city. But I never dreamed he would take our state. And I never dreamed he would take us to the nations. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? The reason we're even here today is that we might influence a nation in revival. That's why you're here with us. That's why you fought the battles you fought. We fought the battles we have fought. Because Arizona first, then the nation. Yes? Everybody shout mantle. Somebody shout mandate. The mantle has to do with the call. The mandate has to do with the commission. It's pretty simple. If you've been around here at all, you could probably tell me the mandate. What I want you to see is none of this was pre-planned or strategized or we thought, this is a good idea. It's so for a raw cry for revival. See, the mandate is governmental prayer. See, when most people think of revival, they think manifestations. We're going to see plenty of manifestations. Plenty. The mandate wasn't to have manifestations. The mandate was to host the presence of God, that there might be a sustained presence and a move of God in our nation. 
So governmental prayer isn't just a good idea that we decided that's a good thing for us to do. No, governmental prayer, now listen to me, governmental prayer isn't just praying over government. Governmental prayer is praying as a government. Everybody shout, he's got a kingdom. He's got a kingdom. He's got a government. And it flows through his church. And there's not enough life in most churches to stand up on their two feet, lift up their head, and declare to every principality and power of darkness, you shall not have our nation. Our Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, 18 and 19, upon this rock, Jesus said, I will build my church, my ecclesia, and the gates of Hades or hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know you understand what the ecclesia is. It is the legislative assembly. It is not a, it is not a religious word. It is not a church term. It is not church talk. It is a governmental word. It means legislative assembly. Mm. It is it's called, it's talking about a group of people that have been called together. Called together. Not just any people, but a group of people that have been called called together that will begin to move out and as they come together they will begin to govern and do the business of a city that's the natural term spiritual term it is a, it is a called together group of people who are not called just to get happy and get clappy and who are not called just to get their needs met on a Sunday morning they're not just called to put in their religious time and religious duty you can call them together and move nothing but when you call the ecclesia together they gather to govern in the realms of the kingdom So the mandate, somebody shout mandate. Or the commissioning has to do with governmental prayer. Has to do with an ecclesia, has to do with a governing church. The choose is to rise into the heavenlies, seated in Christ Jesus, on his throne of authority. A push against the realms of darkness until they break and let the harvest go. Everybody shout mandate. Is praying in this governmental authority to release the rule of King Jesus over the earth. Mandate. I can leave that because we know that. But let me hit Metron for a minute. The mantle. The mandate, the call, the commission... The mantle, the metron, the metron is capacity. The mantle is growing. The mandate is growing. The call is growing. The commission is growing. 
Because when I just pray over a city, we're not just praying over a state, we're praying over the nation. You said, I don't like that. Too bad. Somebody's got to do it. Are we the only ones? I hope to God not. I don't think we are. I think there's an ecclesia all over. And I know one thing for sure. Heaven is knocking on the hearts of his church. And he's saying, get the revelation, get the revelation, get the revelation, get the revelation. Understand why you're here, why you're still here. Why do you want to be here so you can enjoy this world? I'm sick of this world. I'm here to see the world come under the rule of his righteousness. So the mandate is really simple in the fact that every church, every church has been assigned a metron. A metron is, is, is the Greek word for measure. It's the Greek word. It means to ha have an area of influence. So every church has a metron. an area of influence. When you talk about the church, the ecclesia, and you talk about them having a metron, you're talking about a spiritual realm as well as a natural realm. And you're, and you're talking about the fact that every church has an area of influence. This is what Paul was dealing with in our text. He was dealing with the principle and the concept of a metron. You see, when the church takes on its mandate, it must move into its metron. To simplify and to summarize, what do we do in that metron? What do we do in the area of influence? What we do is we shut the gates of hell, set the captive free, and swing wide the gates that the king of glory can come in. That's why Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against my ecclesia. It will not. Because when the ecclesia stands in her God-given authority and fights, she cannot lose and she cannot be stopped. The gates of hell must shut. The gates of hell is where the demonic powers and ruling realms, the ruling the realms of darkness, come and go, come and go, and do their assigned duties. But when the church takes their place at the gates of hell, this is my assigned place. This is my assigned area. We fresh start church don't even begin to understand or know or any other ecclesia church in this land how many demons of darkness that we have stayed their plot. Their plans to do disrupt our nation, to disrupt our schools, to disrupt our cities, to disrupt our economy, to disrupt our government. Oh, but there's a people called the ecclesia that stand at the gate and say, no more. We bind in the name of Jesus. I know we know this, but just bear with the preacher. 
Because once the gate is shut, the captive can be set free. And we can sway open the gate. Here comes that king of glory. Here comes that king of glory. Well, I think one of the great challenges for the church today is, as I mentioned earlier, we have too many people that have disconnected corporately. Therefore, have been positioned improperly. Paul must have had to deal with this because in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, he says, may all believers continue to live the wonderful life God has called them to live according to what he assigns for each person. For this is what I teach to every believer, or teach believers everywhere. In other words, he said, this is what I teach all the churches. This is, a, this is a widespread problem here he's dealing with. Verse 19, he says, your identity before God has nothing to do with circumcision or uncircumcision. What really matters is following God's commandments. So everyone should continue to live faithfully in the situation of life in which they are called to follow Jesus. You see, see, I, 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 want, I want you to, to understand this. This really is a warning. Because what was probably happening, it seems to be, the text seems to insinuate that people were coming into the kingdom in, in Corinth and apparently other churches because he said, I teach this everywhere I go. He said, they're coming into the kingdom, and the problem is, is everybody's trying to jump into a metron that they have not been assigned to. So he says, what I tell people, slow down, take a deep breath, don't leave where you are, because where you are is probably your assigned place. I'm going to preach up in this house. I mean, I have no friends when I get done, but somebody's got to hear this because let me tell you something. If you jump out of your assigned place into somebody else's assigned place, God just took his hands off of you. Your authority comes from him and him alone. You are not the one that decides, this is my metron. This is what I'm called to do. He decides that. I'm trying to help us because we don't have time to play. We don't have time to keep cleaning up messes. We don't have time to keep pulling people out of places they were never supposed to be in the first place. What I'm trying to tell you is don't look at where you are. That's why he said it's circumcised or uncircumcised. It don't matter because look around. It don't matter what you see. It don't matter what it feels like. If you're there, that's your metron. Some of us are praying ourselves out of the greatest level of authority we could ever have. Oh, 
Yeah, that is a word. Corporately connected, properly positioned. You go back to the text and, and Paul uses these phrases like this, measure of work, metron. Measure that reaches, metron. Assigned limits, metron. Boundaries of authority, metron. Going beyond limits God has set for you. He said you're gonna be on your metron. What is Paul saying? He's saying, quit measuring yourself by what everybody else is doing. And quit feel like, stop feeling like you've gotta be the way they are before you can be used by God. Paul said, my greatest value comes when I know that I have done what he has told me to be, what he has told me to do. That's all I need. I don't need anybody else. I don't gotta be measured by anybody else. I don't gotta be measured by anything else. I value what he's. And if he wants me to be right here, right now, and nobody else values that, it is irrelevant. I'm trying to help somebody get where you really want to be. I'm not trying to keep you back. I'm just trying to keep you from getting somewhere too soon. I, I have seen, I have seen too many. I have seen too many. Beware of the distraction of something bigger and something better. Stop telling yourself, I'm bigger than this. You might be, but until God says, you stay right where you are. You stay covenantly connected, properly positioned, because you are in a place of authority. You are in a place of... My mind was going back 25 plus years ago when we were in, still in Virginia I was staffed there for five years now and helped plant a church, Church Alive, which is a great revival church today. And was a revival church then in its own right. And how Kim and I began to get irritated and frustrated, not, not with the church, not even where the church was in its process. There was just an inward stirring. We're thinking God's getting us ready for something else. And then opportunities begin to unfold. I was young then, very impressive. Uh, not impressive, very. Imp what is the word? Well, I was probably impressive too. But you get old and you forget about that stuff. I was easily impressed. Then I, my, then I like grew like my mom. My mom was impressed with nothing. 
Bless her heart, she's in heaven right now, but I tell you, she was not in prison. You'd know. I mean, you could cast out 50 devils, heal 26 people, raise the dead, and turn cartwheels, and she'd be like, good for you. So we begin to get opportunities and offers to go to the places of ministry. Mainly, they, they were for like, you know, youth pastor and stuff like that because we were young then and that's what we had excelled in. So we would get an opportunity and I would bring it at that time. My father-in-law, he was along with my dad. He was an apostolic father to me. And so, so I would go and I'd say, I'd say, Pops, this is an opportunity that we have. And he said, I'll pray about it. And he'll come back and say, no. That used to make me so mad. Because I'm feeling something. I said, all right. Another opportunity would come, another opportunity would come, and then there was this came this opportunity. This would have been the opportunity at that point of a lifetime. We would be going on a staff or maybe one of the, the fastest growing, big, a, a, a good-sized church in California, Fresno, California. It's still there today. We went there. We went there and preached. We went there and we thought, man, this is awesome. And um, I went back. You know, I told my father-in-law where we went while we were going, come back. And uh, he said, I prayed about it. No. I'm not going to act like I was happy about it. I had to call that pastor and tell him. Because he was like, he kept calling me. I said, well, I haven't decided yet. I'm waiting on my father-in-law because he didn't do things fast. I used to think he was passive. Then I learned he was wise. And finally, the phone rang one day. And the former pastors of this church, brother, Sister Kimsey called and said, you know, I'm thinking about re resigning my church. I, I think you would be a good fit. Would you consider coming here and preaching and, and just see if, what you feel, what you think? And, uh, and she said in a few months, and, and we said, okay, we'll pray about it. And, and so we, we set a date. We were going to come preach. And then she calls us back a few weeks later and says, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and resign. But I, I told the board they need to have you still come preach and just see where it goes. But here, here's what I want you to see. I was thinking about it this week. And I was thinking about 25 years ago. And it was just a matter of months between us accepting something that was bigger and that was better than any opportunity we had ever had. And what would have happened if I'd have got that call from Sister Kimsey? And I said, well, I really can't do that because I just came on staff at this church, you see. They just flew us in and moved us all the way from Virginia to California. I can't just walk into the pastor's office and tell him, I can't do this anymore. I got another call. Oh, you ain't hear what I'm talking about. Sometimes we may miss the call because we are distracted by the bigger and we're distracted by the better and I've come to tell somebody up in this room you better get your head on straight and you better get real about who you are and what you can really bring to the table that's what Paul is saying he's saying you better stay in your lane don't think too highly of yourself you may change the world but you might not be ready to change it tomorrow Am I saying this? Because God is getting ready through you to expand.
years. Sit down and let me finish this. That was the best part of the message right there. If I say so myself. This is what I want you to see. Now we're moving from seven to eight. Don't worry, this won't take long. Seven to eight. Seven from something being satisfied and full to something that is overflowing and that has too much to be contained. I have just come to tell you the mantle that has been on this house. The mandate that has been on this house and the metron that this house functions in is taking a quantum leap. It's going to take a quantum leap corporately. But this is what I felt like I needed to tell you today. It's getting ready to take a quantum leap personally. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Because if you misunderstand what I'm saying, you'll jump ship too soon. But if you hear what I'm saying, you will understand where you are right now. It's the place that God has set you right now. And it's not time to be looking for the bigger. It's not time to be looking for the better. It's time to take everything that we have been doing together in the four walls of this building and take it to a city. Somebody shout yes. yes. Somebody shout yes. yes. Get up on your feet in this building because here's what I come to say. Everything that we have learned from about revival, everything that we have learned together about corp, a governmental prayer is fixing to take a leap You know how people always say stuff like, the church needs to leave the building. COVID came, everybody's going, oh, the church just left the building. No, the church got kicked out of the building in a lockdown. Like all of a sudden, awakening revival is going to come because nobody's coming to church. That was the stupidest thing anybody could ever say. I cursed that every time I heard it. You're not going to win the world, set up in your house, afraid you're going to get a virus. That was the last thing on the church's mind. My God. My God. But you know how people say, you need to get out of the four wall. I agree. The church has left the building. That only helps if the church leaves the building and goes into their matron. Watch, years ago, when we were in the building in the front that's no longer there, but there was a building there that we used to worship in. Before we built this building, we worshiped there. And I used to have a sign over the doors. It said, you are now entering the mission field. I don't know how effective it was, but we put it up there. But wanted people to know, and it is true, if I ever put up another one, it'll say, you are now entering your metro. You are now entering your God-given place of authority. 
You are set there to be an influencer. I believe in mass evangelism. I believe that God's going to give us mass conversions, mass healings, mass deliverances. I believe the beginning of with, with uh, Pray America on location is just the beginning of going to regions beyond. But the only reason God is going to let us go to regions beyond together is because we don't forget that this is our metro. You see this building right here? It's my metro. It's my greatest arena of influence. This is where God gives me my authority to function in my gift. It's in this place. I can go to other places, but it's never the same as it is in this place. This is my God-given place. This is my assigned metron. This is what I do. And Pastor Kim, we do. And the praise team do. But we are not beyond going into regions we have not been into and taking you with us. And together we take the corporate alliance. See, your metron is everywhere you put your feet. Your metron is everywhere you work with your hands. Your metron is everywhere your voice is heard. Your metron, you see, see, we gotta just quit waiting. Hey, hey, if God's got big stuff, big stuff will find you. If God wants you to mount a platform and hold a microphone, he'll take you, he'll make a way. But you gotta learn to be faithful where you are. You gotta learn to be fruitful where you are. You've got to learn this is my metron. Well, what do I do? You do the same things we do in this room. What you do is you go in that metron and you shut the gates of hell. I said you shut the gates of hell. You set the captive free. And you swing wide the gate and watch the glory of God fill your back. Somebody shout yes! I have just come to tell you that we have moved from seven to eight and you are now entering your metro. You were there last week, you just didn't realize it. You thought, oh man, I gotta go do another job. I gotta go work, thank God you work. I gotta go to just the vocation. Thank God you got a vocation. Don't look at it anymore. It's just a place you go to get money, to pay up your bills. Understand it's your metro. Stop cursing your metro. Look, I told you I believe in mass evangelism. I believe that, that there's going to be places for all of those things. You can understand, I've done all those things, just so you'll know. I've done sidewalk Sunday school. I've rode trucks into projects, pulled down the side, and preached my guts out. I've set up tents and projects put up a traveling trader beside it, stayed there for three nights so nobody would steal everything. So I could come out of a night and we could worship and praise. So we could come out of a night and we could, oh, and we could shut hell, set the captive free and swing guide the weights, swing guide the gates. Oh. 
I'm not telling you that to say I won't ever do it again. I'm just telling you. I've been there. I've fought those devils. There is nothing that will build the kingdom of God on a consistent basis like revivalists getting up every morning putting on their boots putting on their mantle and walking up into those regions and declaring the king of glory is coming 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 you said i don't know they're a bunch of reprobate heathens i know that's why you're there you're there you're there to shut the gates of hell you're there to set the captive free you're there swing the gates This is eight. Everything is seven. But Lord. Paul understood. He said, I know they talk big. I know everything they say sounds big. I know I don't look like I do anything or accomplish anything. But he said, I'm not going to let them move me. But when it comes time to move, he said, I'll be ready. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.